Welcome, friends and neighbors, to our Florida Gator subreddit podcast. This is Toe Free Gator, and I am joined this evening, or whenever you're listening, by Zlatan Diego. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. No complaints. Zero. Same here. Yeah. And Dr. Marty Lawrence. How's it going, dude? If you're talking, I can't hear you. I think Marty's pretty good. It would help if I unmuted myself. Sorry. There we go. Old habits. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing great. It's tough to be in a bad mood right now. Uh, after the ass beating that we applied in Jacksonville this past weekend. Um, so we're without Hammer this evening. He is under the weather, and he did have some thoughts that he wanted me to pass along. Really, just some big bullet points, but I, I told him I would let it resonate through the hills of Appalachia on his behalf. All-encompassing thoughts, too. I am... Um, it, it feels surreal to have experienced that first... 10 minutes of that game and then just like everything that happened afterwards was otherworldly. You, you are lying. If you say that there's some message board you have or some uh, chat room you're in or some group, grum, group text that you're on where people weren't completely freaking out and expecting another blowout loss to Georgia. Um, and uh, the, the what was it? I think it was the first eight minutes of the first quarter, obviously went all all to hell and then just the complete flip i mean it didn't even take that long and all of a sudden we were back in it and then from that point out we just completely carried the whole game it was incredible that that first few minutes um i was not in the chat for a minute because i had actually gone outside to uh, get an extension cord and begin fashioning myself a noose <laughs> uh, after we were down 14 nothing that game is a perfect illustration of why um, having the ability to throw the ball is it's the new axiom is, uh, you know, that offense wins games and passing wins games where it used to be, well, if you have a, d- a good defense, you're never out of any game. Well, if you have a good passing offense in today's football, you're never out of any game. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Like, you know, spotting them 14 points. I went into that game thinking it was as close to a push as you could possibly get. And then when we spotted them that, that first run and then the field position, they score again. Like I assumed, you know, that was it. Like we weren't going to be able to come back from that, but just having Kyle Trask, like he lets you overcome those types of things where we ended up just completely dominating that whole game in a lot of different ways that I didn't really see coming to. Yeah. I, my prediction was a, was a close loss. I will eat that completely. Um, but I even posted proof in the Discord. I think a few days after that prediction, I uh, sent a message to the guys saying, hey, I'm feeling really good, like a 20-point win, maybe more. Like, I felt good, and I had that leading up into the game. It was, it was like torn away right away. I was just, I mean, just dumbfounded. But it, it felt like we were out of it for maybe five minutes. And then after that point, again, I just... I think we could have like scored as many as we wanted to. I think we were kind of holding ourselves back even just to beat down. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, and I, 
I haven't rewatched the entire game yet, but I've rewatched the first like 10 minutes or so. And in retrospect, I think a lot of what of what they did early on was them being on scripted offense. And I think that I, I suspect that Stetson Bennett is good enough to run a scripted offense for a few minutes. And I believe it was that was it the touchdown pass uh, where Rosemi just annihilated his ankle. Yeah. Um, was God, that also brutal. the same play where Bennett took the hit that separated his shoulder? I think it was. Yeah, I think I it might've so. been because I know, I know he took another hit afterwards. Um, I'm trying to remember when it might've been their next drive where he fumbled the snap and Dunlap just completely collapsed on top of him. And you could tell he was just feeling it. So yeah, I think yeah. it was, think it was that play before yeah i think we we ran like a corner or a nickel blitz there somebody came from the outside hit him late like we're so used to seeing and he's there on the ground and he does a little like guitar strum right like laying on the ground get a feeling he probably couldn't even feel it yeah and then and then yeah he's walking over to the sideline like flinching after that i think Uh, it was it was a torrance uh rashad torrance who wrecked him and by the way he probably could have been penalized there i'm not saying he should have been but i i mean you hit a quarterback like that you get you get calls a lot of the time. For sure. I was yeah. surprised, especially because I didn't catch it at first, but on the replay, I was like, wow, they really didn't call that? Like, it's it's not enough. I mean, I guess if I was a fan, I would have been angry, but it's not enough to where you're like, oh, my God, they really should have, but it's enough to where you're kind of expecting it, especially in holding, today's football. They were holding on to the flags during the game, and I kind of liked it. Like, yeah, know, they were not being ticky-tacky. Yeah. It was nice. That was very, very preferable to what we've seen a lot of this year. A lot of ref ball has been played so far. <laughs> Just get the hell out of our way. Everybody's happier that way. I will say for Stetson Bennett, as much as he sucks as a quarterback and is has a very limited upside, that kid is tough as nails. Because, I mean, he, he didn't even come out of the game for like two drives uh, after separating his shoulder and was like still trying to go back in. Um I mean, like, I don't know how much that really impacted his ability to play. I don't think he's very good to begin with, but, um, <laughs> you know, he yeah. tough as nails regardless. Yeah, I was impressed. Uh, I'm no I'm no doctor. I'll preface this, um, but I can act like one. And I mean, that that move he did right away. Again, I was I was almost positive. He had zero feeling in his arm and that's why he was going for that move. He's trying to shake it back in, shake that feeling back in. And um, yeah, that's it's like not it's not something not something you want to see ever to for them to kind of do that. I don't know. It was a little awkward, but yeah, um, I, I agree with that whole scripted thing too. I mean, he probably practiced all those throws a hundred times all throughout the week leading up to it. So those were the only good throws he made for the most part. I think I was really feeling down at the start of the game because, and we talked about this going into it, that we were going to be down Zach Carter and were they just going to run to the outside every time? And then you see that first play that run to the outside goes 75 yards. You're like, well, they're just going to do this for 60 minutes. <laughs> and we got pretty good at stopping it. Like we stopped their run game overall. We played really well against the run. Uh, but also they kind of went away from it. And yeah, I mean, I, it surprised me. And I was really happy to see they tried to beat us through the air. Uh, I think that was what we what we wanted to see if they could, uh, they could try and do. And obviously they failed miserably at it. it. Seemed like we were inviting that too. Like just, I mean... And that's what we should have been doing. Just sell out, stop the run and force the not good quarterback to beat you over the top. Like that's kind of what we needed to do there in my mind. And uh, for sure, I thought we executed it. Well, we, we, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. It was, it was good enough. It was what we've been talking about needing 
um, since the beginning of the year, which is our, our offense is excellent. And so if the defense can just be good enough, then that's good enough. I feel like this weekend was like such a mask off weekend for like Kirby Pruitt and Muschamp where all three of these guys on the same day, it all aligned where it's like, these are all the same guy. It's all the same dude. I guess what, what's the statistic now for Kirby? He's, is it Owen seven or Owen eight against teams that have top 10 rosters? Owen seven. And uh, since 2017, which yeah. is brutal, brutally bad, especially when uh, it's not like these are all top 10 rosters ahead of them. I think pretty much every time it's going to be a roster that is either equal or lower, especially with um, how good their roster is right now. Not, not a good stat. If talent and recruiting talent is your only advantage as a coach, that's not great because you're, that advantage is going to disappear against the big boys. And I mean, even throwing out, how many times have they played Alabama? Three in that span? Three or four, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, but even if you cut that out, he's still 0-3 or 0-4 against other teams. And it's just, I, I mean, you don't expect to win every one of those, but you do expect to maybe maybe win half if you're at that level. I mean, if you're at the level of the team they have. And uh, not good, not great. Yeah, I think um, I think Saban put some kind of chip or he made like them like, little robot coaches or something like that. Like there's, there's some kind of code in there that just automatically kicks in. And yeah, they're all the same. They all make the same mistakes. Obviously the code kicks up whenever they're playing him. Um, just a little fail safe. For sure. Well, it looked like um, we had a really good game plan on offense coming in. Uh, we knew that they were going to be focusing on Tony and Pitts, which is the obvious thing to do. If you're anybody, especially Georgia, and uh, they they felt probably pretty good. They could stop our run just with a normal set. So we actually, we were using the running game to open up those little wheel routes. And I know those have been talked about a ton. And I think Jordan Rogers is uh, is going to do a little, one of his uh, video things on it. He actually did a good job. I think it was the first game against Ole Miss. He did a really good job of talking about one of the, the trends we did on there. So I'm looking forward to his coverage of that. But that was something new that we implemented. I, uh, I read that. Trask was practicing that a ton over the week and that they just ran that hundreds of times. And those running backs were running perfect routes. Trask was dropping it in perfectly. You could tell they were just on the same page everywhere. And um, Georgia was not ready. Yeah, that was insane. I've never seen. I, I mean, it felt like we were just like playing a Madden game and Brian Johnson was pretty much calling up the same play over and over and there was nothing Georgia could do. And it was, yeah, awesome. it was like, it was like watching coach Doug's all over again. Yeah, that was, <laughs> and Malik Davis, like it, it was really nice to see him have such a, a great day. Like after the A&M game where he had, he had a really good game in the A&M game and that fumble just like, you know, was the dark mark on it. And it's been really nice to see him come back and, and look really like his old self this year. Yeah, it really has. And uh, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he showed he can catch passes and he's dangerous there. And, um, and pretty much all of them, all three of the running backs that played, they were all just, I mean, every one of them did it. So very impressed. I loved the game plan and it worked. Um, I don't even, I don't know if we actually missed a wheel wrap, maybe one. I mean, not I think, that I noticed. I think but... we threw five or six and I think all of them worked. Like there were a couple yeah. of plays where we threw it to the running back. It didn't work, but they weren't that route. Yeah. yeah. Offense looked great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't, this might bear out in this, in the stats, uh, Marty, I don't recall seeing this on there on your breakdown, but um, 
it's not like we were even really playing from like advantageous field position. Um, almost all of our drives were like 50, 60 plus yards, uh, especially in the first half. It was 75 yards, 80 yards, 75 yards, 81 yards. I mean, it's we were working from uh, bad field position and just going down the field every single time. I think you're probably right. My field position stats like are probably skewed by those two late interceptions. Um, right. Yeah. But, that makes so that's that's throwing it off. But yeah, I, I mean that's how I watched it too. And just being able, to, I think we had one super long drive where we ended up with a field goal. Um, but just being yeah. able to to take those those drives where you're not expected to get points, and if anything, you might end up get setting Georgia up with nice field position, and instead, you know, we're turning that into three points. Um, those are huge. Yeah, that may have been that uh, drive in the mid-second quarter where we we got the 50-yard field goal. That was 10 plays and 63 yards. Yeah, we started from the five-yard line on that one, and we ate five minutes off of the clock. And that's, I mean, that's huge. Georgia was not really doing anything at that point with the ball anyway, but to just eat that amount of time uh, right in the middle of the game, right before halftime, come away with points and keep them from being able to do anything, keep the defense off the field. Um, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. yeah our, our offense was really impressive. Like there was one thing that I really liked um, is obviously we were, we were looking for certain defensive alignments and formations where we wanted to keep those guys on the field. And there was one where Tony was off the field for us and Georgia didn't really know what to do. And we had like, you know, guys like shorter and Whitmore out there and, you could see Georgia was confused in how to cover it when we took Tony off the field. And we ended up like throwing a screen to Whitmore and he went for a first down. Um, But it was just like little things like that, that it's like a free first down that we got by subbing in Trent Whitmore. Like, you know, those things were just really well planned out and executed. And yeah, I mean, it's just great to have an offensive coach. It it makes your life a lot easier. I feel like. Yeah. He really schemed up, schemed up some, um, definite touchdowns there i mean this this game was on mullen i mean it's it's really hard to give much credit anywhere else and i'm sure the other coaches played a part but yeah he drew it up perfectly um i have one other positive on offense that i wanted to hit on and that's the offensive line we lost two offensive linemen one for about half the game the other for i think just a drive um got knocked out due to injury and can you imagine, like, in past years that happening and how bad it would have been? And, um, yeah, this year, I mean, we uh, it was uh, Stuart Reese. I think he dislocated his shoulder. It's what it looked like. I don't, I don't know exactly what's wrong with him. He's doubtful uh, for next week. But we put in Josh Braun, the true freshman, and he might have been the best offensive lineman on the team. He was right right up there. Um, oh, dude, yeah, for sure. He looks like a beast. And I'm... I think I think he showed enough in the game to where we can confidently uh, mark him down in in uh, permanent ink as a, a starter indefinitely. I don't think he leaves again. Yeah, I think you might be right, and I, I mean even the starting group, um, and, and even with with second string guys in, like you said, uh, I mean like it was noticeable from the very beginning on running plays. We were getting like two yards upfield off the line with no problem just like there was no resistance which you know as heralded and as talented as georgia's defense is i don't i it's i have a hard time reconciling that how were they so asleep 
Like it's, it's not like they're small guys. They're they're talented dudes. Even even without their nose tackle in there, I mean they're still big talented guys. And they were just fucking asleep on defensive line. How many? Uh, they probably have three or four or five stars behind that nose tackle who isn't one, by the way. But they, yeah, they missed him. But they have these. I mean, they have all these superstars that are able to step in. Nolan Smith, um, number one player in the country, I think. Yeah. Uh, they have a defensive tackle that we had wanted, and he was uh, probably a top five or six overall player uh trevon walker i think and he would have been the guy stepping in uh jalen carter as well um both five stars both ranked as high as like uh dexter and it's just it's insane how much push we got especially with i mean yeah i know we're, we're experienced or whatever but none of our guys are superstars on the offensive line um not from the rankings perspective i will say i i feel like there was a step back you know, between the first half and the second half. And, and probably once we had those injuries um, and also got out to a lead and Georgia knew it was coming a little bit more, but I do feel like our run game in the second half, especially took a step back where we weren't able to run the ball nearly as successfully as we were early on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Kirby probably made some pretty good adjustments and and it seemed like we got a little more conservative overall. I think, I think Dan probably felt confident that he had this game one and he was, he had the the uh, the age old debate: Do we try and run the score up and risk really fucking ourselves with another pick six or two, or do we um, play a little conservatively, try and kill clock, but not do anything stupid? And uh, I think he took more of the second. Yeah, I would agree. How much how much of it do you think was that versus being without pits? It's probably a combo, and maybe maybe we uh, did that more because we didn't have pits. But I mean, obviously, easier to defend when you lose one of the like, the key guys that Georgia keyed in on. So then they get. To, I mean, we lose a superstar weapon. They get to focus on. Okay, well, here's how we can in, improve in covering these running backs without having to worry about pits anymore. Yeah, I would agree. It's not like uh, Copeland stepped up and just started being a superstar over the middle or anything. No, no offense to him. No, anything, he certainly but, did not. I was a, I, I thought Shorter had a good game, and this really bodes well for I feel like him going forward. Um, you know, he looked pretty physical, and once Pitts was out, him and Gamble were two guys I felt like Trask was really looking for. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I, I feel great about where Shorter is right now. I mean, he's he's shown so much improvement even just since the beginning of the year, um, in my mind at least, and um, it's clear that that Trask and I would imagine the way that we call plays is really predicated on attacking with those big dudes. And it's really refreshing for years. It seemed like we always had big guys who didn't play like they were big, like Tyree Cleveland comes to mind for me where it's like, you know, people who have the physical ability to, to be big and physical and assertive with the football like that, but they just never play like it. And so, you know what? It, hats off to to Billy G. Um, seems like he's he's getting these guys coached up pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can, and he can't be perfect. I mean, not everybody out there was as a receiver, but yeah, Shorter's definitely improved. All those. I mean, we, there were probably a, there were a lot of concerns about him. Uh, obviously, the old team will talk shit about him, but there were concerns when a five star transfers um, to a completely different region. You never know what you're getting. And I think he's mostly gotten rid of those concerns. Maybe he's not going to be a top 20 pick. We don't need him to be. We need him to be a solid receiver. And he's looking like that and then some. It looked like at the beginning, y'all tell me if you disagree, but 
seemed like Xavier Henderson was one of our almost ace in the hole uh, options. So we were planning to use him a little more. I know Trask threw a deep ball to him that he dropped early on. And then later he had that screwed up route that led to the pick six. And I don't know if he played much more after that, but it it seemed like the initial plan was to use him um, a ton almost. I agree. I kind of wonder if some of the like Jacob Copeland drama stuff is related to frustration and seeing Henderson get out there a little bit before him and then underperform and, you know, still, you know, Copeland getting knocked down the depth chart for somebody who's not performing. I would kind of understand that a little bit, but also Copeland's been full of drama since he got here. So you never know. So you bring up a good point. And I have, um, I have all the snap counts in front of me. Copeland, surprisingly, very surprising to me. He actually led the team, led, led the wide receiver group in, in snap counts um, 62 of the 80 snaps he was on the field. And I think he was targeted maybe twice that I can remember. Um, both drops. One was a, one was a pretty clear drop. One might've been a kind of a miss throw, rough. but he's used a lot. He's just, he's just not getting a lot of targets maybe for a variety of reasons, maybe a size, maybe it's just Trask doesn't trust him that much. He doesn't seem to like, I don't know. He didn't really box people out. He doesn't go up and get it. And he's only six foot, six foot one. Like he's not this huge dude. So he's got to, he's got to be physical. He's got to be that guy that just, I mean, he's ripped, he's giant, like massive broadness. He's got to be able to go get that ball. And he hasn't really shown that ability yet. And uh, a lot of passes that go his way end up getting like tipped up or just dangerous to a point where it could be intercepted. Yeah. um, it, It almost seems like at times he might be trying to play hero ball. Like he's trying to get ahead of himself. And he really needs to just focus on catching the goddamn football. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, what do I know? Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so Henderson ended up with only 13 snaps. And I think a lot of those were from early on. And I think maybe the second, I don't know if he played much in the second half, but I'm pretty sure he got mostly benched after that screwed up route. And then uh, Trent Whitmore ended up with about 20 snaps. So, yeah, he, I think he got a fair share of those that Hendo was going to be picking up this game. It seemed like it just seemed like this game we were trying to use guys that Georgia tried to recruit as well. That's wild that Copeland got that many snaps. I, I had no idea. And if you had crazy, you know, right? Yeah, if you had let me guess, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere near that. Yeah. Uh and then for, for reference, uh Kadarius Tony had one fewer snap, uh sixty one. Trevon Grimes had fifty three and then shorter had thirty four. So I mean he he doubled basically the the backup who was shorter. It's almost like what James D. Virgilio would say about having Steiner out there that, you know, if you've got Steiner out there, you might as well just be playing with 10 guys. It almost seems like that with Cope based on that snap count, at least. And I mean, he was out there blocking. I'm pretty sure I saw him actually spring one or two big runs. Um, so he's, it's not like he's worthless out there. I don't think we'd play him if he was. Yeah. But if you're talking about actually yeah, advancing he's the doing ball, his job. he's not. I mean, he's, it's just clear he's not Trask's go to guy. So if he wants to um, get more receptions, then he has to build that trust. That's on him. I don't think that's on anybody but him. So, so how did we feel about Grantham getting the, the Gatorade bath? <laughs> I wanted to ask you. All that. I thought it was great. I loved it. I mean, I'm not a huge Grantham fan, uh, a self-proclaimed Grantham hater even, but I mean, it was against his old team. You know, he, he was trying to get revenge for prior years. And that had to feel good. He earned it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's a little cringeworthy to, to give your defensive <laughs> coordinator a Gatorade bath after a regular season win, but 
um, yeah, I mean, good for him. It's I'm I'm happy for him, and I'm happy that we finally got to shut up the you know the trolling that we've heard about Grantham from Georgia fans for years. It's pretty wild. Like I, I feel like this whole Dan Mullen era, we haven't really had that that get over the hump win where it was a big game that we knew it was a big game going in, and we won. And I feel like this is really one of those first ones where there was so much pressure going in and we survived the pressure cooker. And so that's got to feel awesome. Yeah. How do we feel about the defensive performance as a whole? As a whole, it was, it was okay. I mean, there were clearly some blown coverages. Clearly they were getting open against us, but I think part of that was by design. I think we were willing to let that happen. We called the defense to, to allow that because we figured the quarterback wasn't going to get it off or get the right make the right throw. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, obviously you look at results first and you've got to be happy with those, but we took away, we focused on taking away what Georgia wanted to lean on, which was the run game. And once again, having Kyrie Campbell back, just it's night and day difference for this defense. Um, and it's been huge. And we took away the run game. And we asked them to beat us through the air. And, you know, thanks through a combination of their quarterback's ineptitude and their wide receiver drops, you know, we came out there with a really solid defensive performance. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's um, it's a little bit distressing to see how wide open they were downfield. Um, <laughs> that bodes as potentially foreboding for a future matchup in Atlanta. But um, I feel like for the rest of this year, well, and I guess Arkansas, perhaps. But for the rest of this year, that's probably not something that we have to be super worried about. But it would be nice to be able to work on it and get it cleaned up some uh, before we do get to Atlanta, because that could be disastrous. And this team's shown, I mean, for the past, every time that Mullen's here, like we've improved throughout the year. And I mean, the defense has improved, even if it's not much better. But I mean, if we get enough to where... Maybe we can get some pressure on their quarterback. I mean, Alabama is going to like, okay, let's assume we play Alabama. They are going to throw touchdowns on us. They will beat us deep. It's going to happen. Like we just have to, you know, make a few plays and hopefully <laughs> it'll be an interesting game. Um, we, we can get there when we get there, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd agree that we, we do need to improve more if we want to be in a game like that. I thought it was interesting that Trevez was playing as much as he did. I don't remember seeing him a ton, so maybe that's a good sign. I'm not sure how much they targeted him. Yeah, there was nobody in my mind through this game that really stuck out defensively as like, oh, that guy is a liability. I mean, there were individual plays where different guys got picked on, but like there wasn't one guy consistently throughout who I was just like, you know, screaming at the TV to get him out of there. So that was nice. You want to know why that is? I'll give you why, why that is. That? Uh, if you look at the defensive back snap counts, one, two, three, four, five, six. Guess who is seventh out of all defensive backs and snap counts and not in the top five? I'll give it away. It's Donovan Steiner. Gasp. So he he got snaps, but but we are we are maybe maybe phasing him out. Maybe it's just due to injury, and we're like, yeah, we'll we'll slowly phase him in. I'm gonna go with the phasing out thing, though. I really hope it's that. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. Knock on wood, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, no, Sean Davis was playing playing safety for the most part with uh, Brad Stewart and oh, 
I guess I guess the other guys all rotated a little bit, but Brad Stewart got more snaps than Steiner back there. I'm trying to think of what else there was defensively. I didn't really. I I took a, a handful of notes throughout the game. Um, I guess this would be an uh, an apropos time to get to uh, Hammer's notes. Um, note number one: I fucking hate Georgia, and I am glad we pushed their shit in. Um, note number two: Kyle Trask should win the Heisman. And note number three. I absolutely love Gamble coming out to replace Pitts and scoring that beautiful touchdown. I forgot to get to that one during the offensive segment, but yes, completely agree, Hammer. I see no lies here. I see no issues with that. Agree with all. Um, That whole segment by our team on both sides of the ball after Pitts got knocked out, we put that game away. Yeah. You know, we had two, three and outs. We went down and scored at both times we got the ball. Like, you know, we we really just, it was like, okay, this is how we're going to play. All right, we're going to, we're going to play physical football and we took it to him and that was great. You can't respond better. Yeah. I was, I was really worried at that point and we scored 24 points in the second quarter alone. That shit is wild. Like <laughs> I, I was worried about scoring 24 points in this game as a whole just a few weeks ago. It, it was, it's unthinkable that we would have scored 24 in a single quarter and to do so with what half of that quarter we were without pits, man, crazy unreal honestly yeah i mean if, if you just told me that one sat alone i'd tell you yeah we won that game uh, probably handily yeah. i mean that's that's incredible apparently there's no good defenses out there anymore maybe they just don't exist not this year um what i guess one more comment i have on on our defense i thought that um the tackling was actually pretty good this time um they're running backs they're good players, like really good. They're tough to tackle. And we were doing a good job of getting them down for the most part. And there were probably three or four plays where we, we had like some really nice tackles, like beautiful tackles or really good hits. And it's, um, it almost feels like we just don't get that much often anymore. Like there might be one or two a game where it happens, but this game, I mean, there's a bunch, like I think Sean Davis had this beautiful shoestring tackle. Um, Houston there, what Dewan Mathis, made a horrible mistake of trying to run the ball in a, in a, just a poor, like he cut back in and he shouldn't have done that. Like there was just, there were people everywhere and Houston made him pay, which was, that felt really good. He'd laid him out and I'm blinking on a couple more. I know Torrance laid the hit on the quarterback, but there are a couple more too. It was just, I thought tackling was really improved. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I mean, not to harp on it, but very encouraging to see so many of the young defensive backs getting um, so much time and, and really showing a lot of promise for what this defensive backfield can be in the future. Yeah, it's exciting. Dewan Mathis really didn't try and run very much after that James Houston hit. No, well, no he, yeah. should, he shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he has an issue seeing, seeing the whole field too. But yeah, that was that was a really poor decision to keep going where he did. Yeah. And he learned. Yeah. the I don't know if I can keep this in, but uh, Cam, the white guy, during the game thread, <laughs> dropped the absolute yeah. best comment, which is something along the lines of, man, if he gets hit like that again, he's going to have another brain aneurysm, or he's going to need brain surgery again. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. It was brutal. Yeah. That, that comment actually made me laugh. That was like, wonderful. Laugh out loud. Thank you for that, Cam. That's great. Yep. Really appreciate it, if this stays. Yeah. I mean, just... I don't know which quarterback was worse for them. 
I do think, think Bennett, but you know, it's tough to know how much of that was attributable to the injury. You know, it, Bennett probably would have been better if he hadn't been just annihilated like he was, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, tough to say they were both pretty well, shitty. Here's, and here's something really interesting, I guess um, with the defense, would we have come close to knocking Jake Fromm out of the game the past couple of years? Like, period. I don't know if we touched him two years in a row, like sack wise or like after he threw it and this game, I mean, we were getting in there. So I don't know if, um, I, I will say that, that, uh, my father-in-law is very big into Ole Miss, obviously. And he, he sent a text saying that, um, part of what George's issue is, is Matt Luke. I think, I don't know if that's just sour grapes from Matt Luke. Uh, well, it wouldn't be sour, sour grapes cause he was fired, but he, apparently he doesn't think he's very a very good coach and maybe that's showing right now because damn I can't imagine imagine actually knocking a QB out of the game going up against Pittman's offensive line. No, I thought our defensive line played really well. Um, you know, it was it was surprising to me. Georgia's got an offensive line; they're supposed to be well coached, and we were back in there and getting a fair amount of pressure. And Zach Carter came out there in the second half and was playing like a man on fire. Yeah. wreaked havoc. I'm looking it up now. I'm trying to see how many uh, five stars they were starting on that O line, but I mean, it probably three or four, like just all guys that everybody wanted to, uh, let's see. Salyer, he was pretty close to one. Trey Hill was ranked really high. McClendon was ranked pretty high. Well, okay. So I don't know if many of those guys are five stars, but uh, obviously very highly regarded players. Yeah. Um, um, I, yeah. I think there's also something to be said for, well, w- as far as Bennett, like maybe we would have gotten pressure on from, but a single hit like that would not have put him out of the game like it did with Bennett, which is a risk that you run when your starting quarterback is like whatever he is, 190 pounds, 185 pounds. Um, that's not a great yeah, plan for SEC football. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like these Georgia fans just letting Kirby off the hook for, you know, you can go over to their subreddit and they're letting Kirby off the hook like, oh, well, he couldn't have seen this quarterback situation coming. It's like, no, you're, you're a head coach. You're supposed to plan out your roster and not having a plan at the quarterback position, that ends at his feet. He has to own that. And if so what, you're stuck with, you know, Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis you know, you planned on Jamie Newman and JT Daniels, you know, starting for you. Obviously, you didn't lock that up and wasted practice reps on those guys. That's on Kirby. You know, if Stetson was going to be your guy or Mathis was going to be your guy, they should have been getting reps. And they don't look like they've seen reps at all. You see, I agree with that, but I'm, I'm almost approaching it from a different angle. I love that they're making excuses for Kirby. That makes me, I mean, I, I enjoy that thoroughly because we've seen it all before, like just making excuses for the, for the uh, Saban protege coach who can't figure out the offense. So that was, um, it's, it's nice for me. I enjoy it, but yeah, he, he absolutely has to get that figured out and um, he didn't. And that's an issue. So it's, it's almost like they just aren't willing to accept. I think they, they had locked their minds into thinking, yes, we have the next Nick Saban. I think they like really believed that with how he was recruiting. And he was actually, I mean, he's getting to the playoffs early and um, this goes against that completely. So it's hard for them to reconcile. And how bad is Carson Beck? Like he was pretty highly rated recruit. Like how is he not even in the conversation here? What, what's, what's going on? Do y'all know? 
Uh, maybe he should have gotten coaching from Dan Mullen instead. He's out. Uh, he had surgery to shave his massive forehead down. So he's going to be out <laughs> for the rest of the year, from what I understand. That's per source. I think he also got, got some cosmetic ankle surgery, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, brother. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that is interesting that he's not even considered. Uh, yeah, and it, there's all sorts of rumors out there. Like all the, like there are people on the Georgia board saying, hey, Daniels is actually healthy. He should be playing, but he's not for a reason. Who the hell knows? All I know is that Kirby brought in two transfers, made sure they were both eligible. One bailed out. We still don't know why he bailed out. Maybe he bailed out because he's like, you know what? This is a, a shitty situation. I'm not going to go screw my draft stock in this. Or maybe he decided, you know what, I don't want to play through That's COVID. a fascinating aspect of it with Mathis is what if it was like he just saw the handwriting on the wall of what this shit was going to look like. And he was like, you know what, maybe not. Maybe maybe I, I take my chips and I cash out for a fifth round pick and not subject myself to this situation. It's just really weird. Like, I mean, I don't know how high of a pick he is, but yeah, he, he had this potential to take over a, a supposed playoff team as the guy. And um yeah, just a, just a little interesting. So maybe maybe his posse, whoever's helping him with those decisions, decided, you know what? I'd rather just take my chances, like you said, and um, not play for Kirby. That's something we, we will never actually know the answer to, um, but we could probably assume answers based on how things continue for Georgia um, over the next couple of years. Somebody out there knows. Somebody knows. It'll come to light eventually. There'll be a tell-all book written at some point. Well, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Hopefully soon, while Kirby's still there. Okay, we are at 40 minutes. Do we have anything else that we want to discuss from this game? It's weird. I feel like I should be celebrating more, but like I spent the past three days just going nuts and pulling receipts and mocking people. Um, I think I woke up first thing this morning and just started mocking, like, just started pulling her seeds on Twitter and it was fun. I'm loving it, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tapped out. Evan McPherson. I don't think we said had a hell of a game hit two from 50 plus. And I mean, I, he's, he's an NFL kicker for sure. I don't like the announcers jinxing him on that one field goal, yeah, but that was bullshit. I mean, I guess if you just keep making them forever at some point, like how could the announcer not jinx it? That's what I got to tell myself. But yeah, that was bullshit. And also, guys, that just soak in this moment that, like, we can be in this situation where we just beat Georgia and our QB setting records, and we've barely even talked about Kyle Trask's just because this is what we're used to now. It's it's absolutely wild. This is we're back to the '90s. I didn't get to experience it. I was a little kid. This has got to be what it was like. We were beating Georgia ass. We were setting records. We our coach was the most reviled man south of the Mason Dixon, perhaps even north of the Mason Dixon. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm loving this. It's really nice, and yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. This is this is me reliving the '90s now. Hopefully, we have this for another. I don't know. I'd, I would like a decade of this. Hammer's final note: uh, I want Bama, and Bring I him. agree. Hammer, I also want Bama. Why wouldn't we? We look like we can handle it. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to guarantee a win, but shit, I want to see how we do. So, do we want to move on to previewing the Arkansas game? Let's do it. So, just came out today, Monday, when we're recording this, that their coach, Sam Pittman, is going to be out. He tested positive for COVID. 
uh, assuming it's not a false positive. So far, no one else has tested positive, but uh, it's a little foreboding. With we've we've already seen one or two SEC games uh, rescheduled today, and there are several around the country that are reportedly in danger of being rescheduled. So we got to hope that Arkansas doesn't have a an uptick of positive cases, and that we can actually get this game in. It'll be interesting by the time by the time y'all are listening to this, there should be a much clearer picture. Like there should be a trend going and it should be figured out at that we point, hopefully. But yeah, it's um we'll see if this is all for nothing, this conversation, because if we don't play this game, then we don't play Arkansas. I there's there's a potential weird swapping of schedules and doing some weird stuff, but either way, we'll uh we'll treat it like we're playing it and um we get to play against Barry Odom as of now as the head coach which I'll have some thoughts on too. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've, I've watched their last few games and when this, I remember when the schedule was released and we did our, our live reactions, we were ecstatic that we got Arkansas coming off of this Georgia game because, you know, win or loss in the cocktail party, this was a slam dunk layup win slam dunk and layup. How does that work? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Anyway, this was a, a surefire win. And over the past few weeks, this has become very much not a surefire win. Um, and I, like right now, I would say Arkansas is, after Texas A&M, probably the third best team in the West right now, which is insane from where we were just a, a couple of months ago. It's nuts. I mean, they might be they're, – they're actually looking like they have, a, have somewhat of a semblance of a defense too. So – that is the kind of team that maybe can stand a chance of upsetting us like a, a team with a real defense. So yeah, not a definitely, I, I can't even believe it. Like before the year, if, if I had like some stone cold locks to lock in, it would have been Arkansas just being the gimme game aside from Vanderbilt also being, I would have had them both just the easiest games. And uh, yeah, it's crazy to me the kind of flip they did. Yeah, the, Ar- the Arkansas game, actually, this this is worrying me a little bit, especially, and it doesn't look like it's going to come to fruition now, but when there was kind of some rumors floating around that it might get moved to Arkansas as an away game due to this uh, hurricane or storm or whatever it is, um, they've got a really good defense, and you know they're playing with a chip on, your sh- on their shoulder, and it's just one of those opponents I don't love playing right after we got a huge win. It's not great that we're coming off of like a physical meat grinder type of game. And Arkansas has very much this year looked like a physical meat grinder type of team. You know, the, offensively, they they run very much what you would expect from Kendall Bryles. Um, you know, they use Franks' big arm. They take shots downfield. But defensively, like they just want to beat you to death. And uh yeah, that's that's worrisome in this spot, given we're probably pretty beat up from from that game we just came off of. Yeah, with uh, both Reese's out and I think Moon's or, well, he's doubtful, but I think he's probably out. And then Jeremiah Moon only got in, I think, nine or ten snaps before he got hurt. And he might he might be out a few games. So, yeah, we're, we're a little beat up up front, but I know we um, we're expecting to get Ethan White back at some point. Potentially, that could that could be a nice little breather. And then Josh Braun should be fresh and ready to go too. So yeah, hopefully we can handle that defensive line of theirs. Um, I don't know much about their defense. I think they run, what do they run a three, three, five or 
something like that. I mean, along those lines. Um, or a dime, a nice three two six, something like yeah. yeah. Either way, it's uh, it'll it'll be a different type of defense than Georgia was, and yeah, it is a, a bit of a meat grinder game. And luckily, we get to play Vanderbilt afterwards, so just get through this week and get a nice breather against Vandy. Yeah, just looking at the stats, the the defense plays particularly well against the run. It looks like they're a little bit more susceptible to the pass. Um, but overall, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Georgia, all statistic stats-wise, grind out for probably the best defenses in the SEC. Looks like Arkansas relies a little bit more on stopping the run. Um, they're pretty average against the pass. Um, and then they've they their defense is boosted by, you know, they've generated a fair amount of turnovers, uh, two and a half a game. Um, and they've been really good at limiting opposing scoring opportunities. Um, opponents who get inside the 40 aren't even averaging three points. Um, so those are two big things that jump out. And the other one is explosiveness. They're shutting down explosive offenses. Um, averages around, you know, 1.25 expected points added per, you know, explosive play, successful play. And they've got it down to like one, which is extremely low. So it's a bend, don't break defense. Um, they're going to let you kind of, you know, nickel and dime them, but they're going to stop the run. Um, it's a good team. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think Trash can, Trash can handle them, but I think it's going to be a really, you know, tall order. I am concerned that we're going to have, I guess this would be the third straight week with a pick six being on the on the bad side of a pick six. Um, from what I have seen of their defense, it seems like they are very good at producing turnovers um, and producing turnovers that are immediately converted into points. Would, would this be the third straight week? Did we have one against Mizzou? I'm blanking if we did. It's... I thought we did. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that's the first pick six. Okay. Well, I must have been smoking crack again. It's me, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Just a typical day in Toronto. Proceed, proceed. Don't mind me. Yeah, they. Uh, I remember I, w- I was watching them a couple times this year, and I'm blanking on his name. Maybe might be Morris or something. They have a, a safety who is just dominant, and he's everywhere at once. And he's kind of he's a little bit scary. Um, oh, why am I having trouble finding it right now? You'll just have to take my word for it that um, there's there's a safety out there that is is a very scary player, and I think he's. He's a guy that's had pick sixes. So yeah, they um they do a good job. Now I'll I'll make my one note on Odom here because I only have a couple of small observations for this whole game, but with the head coach out, Odom has to head coach. And um my only hope is that uh, aside from obviously Sam Pittman's health and well being and recovery, full recovery, uh that that uh Odom goes back to Missouri head coach mode where he kind of falls apart and he can't focus as much as the defense. He has a lot yeah, more, sure. a lot more to worry about. My, my view on this is like, it looks like Arkansas is one of these teams. Like I'm looking at their stats, like how much havoc they're generating and stuffs. And those, you know, if you're good at generating those, those are what leads to turnovers and they're fairly mediocre at those things. So they've probably gotten a fair amount of turnover luck the points per opportunity thing where their their bend don't break in their inside of the field, that's pretty luck driven and so is explosiveness. So this might be a thing where 
the defense has gotten fairly lucky so far this season. Maybe there is a style of play. I tend to look at it as like, this could just be they're on the, you know, the positive side of, of random chance. Um, and we, we saw that with Georgia too. Georgia had a few of those stats and I think our defense didn't, our offense didn't have any trouble with that defense. So hopefully we'll see a, see something similar this next week. Yeah, the one game I watched with Arkansas that I watched all the way through was that Ole Miss game, and that was with Matt Corral, and he got he had no idea what to do. Um, they completely shut him down, and basically his issues came out that I was kind of hinting at the preseason. Uh, I'm surprised how good he's looked overall, but I don't think that Trask has anything close to the same issues that Corral has. So if you're worried that they can magically pull a six-interception game or something even close to that against Trask, I don't think that's going to happen. Knock on wood, obviously, but he's, he's not, he's not going to get flustered the way the corral did. And he's going to have an idea of where to go with the ball. Offensively. I I think we have to be concerned that good Felipe Christ, Philip hot dogs, Philip hot dogs is the good Felipe, right? Sure. it's It's the best form, right? Okay, sure. That's I mean, that's always what I thought, but I didn't want to get too far over my skis there. So we have to worry that uh, that Philip Hot Dogs is the one who shows up. And, uh, you know, God, if he if he shows up and has opportunity to shush the crowd, I'm gonna be real disappointed. Um, God, it's I, I respect him for what he did here. He was a team player. He played hard. But God damn, man, I just I don't want to see that. And he's been playing really, really well over the past few games. All right. If it makes you feel better, statistically, Arkansas on offense looks a lot like Missouri, like very similar in terms of production and then very similar in they like to run 56 percent of their plays over that and they run incredibly ineffectively. So it's something they're doing not very effectively Felipe hasn't done a lot on the ground. Um, They've got some wide receivers that it looks like like to run the ball. Um, So it's kind of that uh, Bryles thing where he wants to run the ball and set up that deep bomb off of play action. Um, So we'll see. We could get bit by it, but we handled Missouri pretty well defensively, I thought. So I imagine it might be a a similar defensive design. Yeah, uh, I just like... This is the one game, like we said uh, earlier, this is the one game before the SEC championship game, hopefully, presumably. Don't want to put the the horse before the cart there, cart before the horse, whatever. Um, But this is the game where you worry about getting burned deep um, because Felipe does have such a massive arm. You know, there's there's been questions about how uh, accurate he really is with the deep ball. Uh, There are mixed views on that, but I mean, he's been good enough to hit some of them. Yeah. And so we've got to hope that we don't get annihilated by deep passes. He's accurate enough, and he's definitely going to be more so than Stetson Bennett or Dewan Mathis were. So, I mean, he'll, he'll, hopefully we limit those opportunities. Um, I think if we... Will he be more accurate? Yeah. Will he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. He'll be more accurate uh, for those 50-plus yard throws because I don't know if those other two guys can actually make those throws, period. Right. So anything is more than zero, right? Maybe. I don't know if you get negative points or not, but um, yeah, it's it, look, I mean, we, we've, we had years of him and we all know that he can get deer in the headlights looks. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you don't just have that go away. So get in his face, force some pressure. 
Um, this is a game where Grantham could really take some advantage here by throwing some stuff that he hasn't seen before. And Felipe, when he has stuff he hasn't seen before, I mean, we've seen him fall apart with that just completely, like get annihilated. So here's hoping that Grantham doesn't get, uh, here's hoping that Grantham does not lose a battle of wits to Felipe Franks. All right. <laughs> Here are the wide receivers that, that we need to be worried about. It looks like the main one is this Traylon Brooks. Burks. Yeah, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he, he's had a big year. And then there's two, Woods and Warren. Both have done pretty well as well. Those are the three main wide receivers. And then the two tight ends look like they've done pretty good as well, Henry and Kearns. Um, those guys have all been pretty productive receiving threats. So it looks like he's got some weapons. Um, not really seeing much in the way of like pass-catching running backs or really home run running back threats, which is great. Um, and also it doesn't look like they've got a lot of quarterback runs with Felipe. So hopefully it's, it's past defense. Wouldn't mind seeing him run a little bit. He has, he's looked proficient. I, I was expecting him to regress based on kind of what we've seen from like Mullen quarterbacks, like Nick Fitzgerald, who once they're outside of the Mullen bubble, the, you know, the fairy dust wears off a little bit, but it actually looks a lot like the good version of Felipe that we saw a few times um, in his last year and a half here, um, where he is pretty aware of when he needs to pull the the ball down and run with it. Um, He's been making really good decisions there from what I've seen. And he's not like, super dangerous on the ground, but he's good enough to not just like take a stupid sack and, you know, sit down on the ball 20 yards behind the the line of scrimmage. He's going to like escape or at least try to escape and get upfield with it. Yeah. And I've seen him throw it away too, which again, he learned under Mullen. Um, he did. I don't think he knew how to do that no. period before, uh, before last year, but yeah, he's done that a few times this year too. And by the way, I found, I finally found the name. I don't know why it took me so damn long, but uh, Catalone. J- I think Jalen Catalone is the safety, and he's scary. Yeah. Like he's really good. Um, so that, that's a player to watch out for. Catalone was the uh, uh, defensive player of the week, SEC defensive player of the week this week, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, every time I've seen him, like he just he makes it like he's everywhere. He's where the ball yeah, is. So for sure. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, I, it, again, it's uh, Felipe likes he likes time and he likes to pocket. I think if you get in his face, you could really throw him off and fluster the guy. So if we're sending some exotic blitzes and if our defensive line plays like like we hope it will continue to play, then um, yeah, it should be. I, I think we could. Uh, I don't know. We ready to do some picks soon? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't have anything else on this game, Marty. I think that's it for me. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's a scary game, but I, I think we should be able to win, especially if we play it at home. Okay, so we are currently, I believe, 17 and a half point. ESPN has it at 17 and a half. That may have dropped um, since Pittman was announced as being out. We'll pick it at 17 and a half. Um, Zlat, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I can do that. Um, so the Arkansas defense, I know scares us, but I, I actually agree with Marty. I think there's been, there's been some luck involved with it and, and it's not to take away from them because my God, they've just had this insane turnaround, but looking at it, Georgia scored 37 points on them. And I know it was the first game, but man, that's pretty rough. Like 
that doesn't look look good for you at all. And they've actually, let's see, they haven't really held any teams to that low of a score overall. I think they held Mississippi State to 14, but Mississippi State's trash. So all that to say that I think we'll score points and I think they'll score a few, but not really anywhere in the ballpark of us. So I'm going to give us a, mm, it's at home. It's a West Coast team, but we've already gotten our West Coast team struggle out of the way, hopefully just one. So I'll, I'll go 45 to 24 Gators. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying out the new the new soundboard feature we have available. <laughs> I like that. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, Marty, do you want to you want to go next? Yeah, I think I think we're going to score more than that. Um, I think something close, like you know, fifty-two to twenty-eight. I think that's where I'm at. Damn. Um, I will go a little bit lower because I think we're going to have. We're not going to have pits this week. Um, I suspect he won't be back from concussion protocol. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go 42 to 27. Okay, I like it. And uh, just on, I guess this this probably applies to now. I don't know if we're going to have another time to get at it. Looking forward, I had said before. I think Moon might be out potentially a few games. I don't see any reason to rush Pitts back. Uh, he, he took a really hard hit, so he's not going to want to ru- uh, rush back at all. He's got his draft status to worry about, and obviously you want to protect yourself. So with playing Vanderbilt next week, I I could see him taking a couple weeks off, um, resting up his foot, which, I mean, he was looking better, but why not rest up um, that, get the concussion crap out of the way as best you can. And um, one more thought, offensive line, I'm ready to see Ethan White back. And I think that we could have a an awesome formation that gets John DeLance out of there and Ethan White in there. And I'm really hoping that happens soon. This could be the game. I'm praying. Okay. Sounds good. Marty, uh, are you able to join us for picking games this coming week? I might let y'all do that. I'm going to hop off and grab some dinner. Okay. Well, um, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Where can people find your work? Uh, what is my Twitter? It's Dr. Marty Lawrence, but there's like a one in there. <laughs> I'll make yeah. sure it gets linked in the show notes. And Dr. Marty Lawrence, except the last E is a one. So, yeah, I wasn't real into Twitter. I was mainly following when I made it, but now I make charts. So they're pretty. If you like Marty's Twitter. also looking into hiring a publicist if anybody's looking for work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we love we love your charts. Uh, I think our sub our um, our main subreddit retweets them all the time. So if you see some of those cool charts, uh, check it out and give him a follow because that is something that he's been putting out and it's fantastic work. For sure, thanks guys. It's it's been fun to get to chat about it. Um, yeah. yeah, have a good week. Yep, go Gators. See, I naturally just wanted to go review it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, instinct. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's uh, let's go over our picks from this last week, which I have here somewhere. I already tallied them. All right, um, so we both picked the Gators to cover three and a half, and we were both correct, and then some. Um, so win there for both of us. Uh, also a win for us on Vandy at Mississippi State. I actually don't have 
that one in front of me, but I know they kept it close. That was a 18 and a half point line. And we both, we both picked Vandy. It might've been 24, uh, 17 or something. It was, yeah. it was one score game at the end. Yeah, it was Mississippi state went up early and then they just like coasted for the rest of the game. And, uh, and they won the ugly bowl, Texas A&M and South Carolina. We were on different sides there. You were on South oh, Carolina. Wait, I have to eat this pretty hard because I think South Carolina lost 45 to three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How stupid am I to, to take Muschamp like that? I, I mean, mean, it's I knew better, but I did it because I'm stupid. I, it was also, it was 48 to three just oh God. So for, in the interest of accuracy. And Muschamp would never want you to take away a field goal from somebody. So, yeah. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> oh, man. And then, and then he kicked fucking field goal too like i mean i know he's yeah. probably just like i need points but oh my god that yeah i remember watching the the score update <laughs> on the bottom line during that game and just laughing out loud like yeah it's imagining like you know what's coming too it's oh god imagining the the beamer like you know celebration at the end of the zero zero in regulation game against wake forest I mean, a true. Um, and it was a forty-eight yarder too. Like it was a decent length field goal. Like, and it took them thirteen plays to go forty-three yards to get in. Oh man, that Jesus. is a must handball. So like, they probably killed the entire quarter. Oh, yeah, just getting that field goal at the end. Yeah, God, what a shit show. So we were also uh, split on Arkansas and Tennessee. You were on Tennessee minus one and a half, and I was on Arkansas. Oh. Yeah. And Arkansas ended up, I believe they were being shut out at halftime. It was like 13 to nothing at halftime, something like that. And uh, boy, Tennessee just cannot play a complete football game right now. They're they're in shambles. They ended up losing 24 to 13. I mean, you go going at halftime like that. That's a, that seems like a coaching thing. People are not happy with Pruitt. Um, let me just tell you, it's, I've, I've been talking to some, some Tennessee fans here locally over the past week. And, uh, yeah, they, they are disillusioned, and um, I don't think he gets fired this year, but um, I am significantly less worried about that game now than I was at the beginning of the year. Oh, for sure, and I think uh, we had even said after that Kentucky loss where they got blown the hell out that he could potentially lose almost all of his final games, and it's, I mean, he's got A&M next, Auburn after that, at Auburn, and then yeah. uh, Vanderbilt's the only winnable one right now, it looks like, like it's just on paper. I think Auburn is winnable for them. I, I think they beat Auburn last year. That was like, that's the big Pruitt signature win to this point. So I could see them like pulling that one out just because, you know, Auburn, you never know what you're going to get there. But yeah, I mean, it looks real foreboding. It, three, three and seven is very much in the cards for them at this point. I hate to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tragic. Uh, let's see. Um, Michigan and Indiana. We both took a loss there. Did I really take um, Michigan with my Indiana fandom? I think so. I so you know what? I probably did, and I my notes are a little unclear on this one, so maybe you didn't. No, I think I think I got scared. I think I scared myself off. I'm so disappointed because man, well, I'll be taking Indiana from here on out probably, and I'll probably take a lot more losses. But hell, I think right now Michigan is okay. So I've got a theory with Michigan. I think that they are Don Brown is very similar to Grantham in a lot of ways. I think that they were adversely affected on defense by not being able to 
you know, do the old school coaching mumbo jumbo that he likes to do. Right. And they, unlike us, they don't have the offense to compensate. And so maybe Michigan gets their, their defense gets their shit together on defense before the end of the year. Um, I think they're going to have to because their offense is okay, but it's nothing special. And uh, I don't know. It's with, with Harbaugh. I don't think he gets fired this year. I suspect that they will fire Don Brown and make him the, the sacrificial lamb, the the blood of atonement, if you will. Right. But, um, Which man, is crazy with how, with how hyped he was. I mean, yeah, they were talking about him like he is the best in the game. Oh, yeah. yeah. It kind of seemed like he was, but yeah. He, I he kicked the like, shit out of McIlwain a couple of years ago, but I mean. Yeah, but who remembers that? Does Harbaugh get fired, uh, period? Does Do they let him go find another job? Probably. I mean, that's, you know, that's the honorable Michigan man way of doing things. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I think uh, actually now that now that I think about it, they haven't given him like an extension. And I think his contract might be running out in a year or two. And so that might just be a situation where they just let it let it run out. And maybe it's kind of like a dual thing where they're both like, yeah, let's just do this and end it. I, yeah. I doubt he wants to be there when, when all the fans hate him and he's sucking too. So. Clemson and Notre Dame. We were both on the wrong side there. We both went with Clemson to cover five and a half. Man, that was... Did you watch the end of that? I did. I caught uh, the the probably the last five minutes of the quarter and then the overtime. Yeah. Uh, same here. And that was, that was a spectacular football game. Yeah, that um, was a lot of fun. I suspect that Clemson, when they have starters back on offense and defense... Um, is probably like two or three touchdowns better than Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I good for Notre Dame, I guess. Um, they have put themselves right in the thick of the playoff race. And right now, if they can win out and then keep it close with uh, Clemson in a rematch in the ACC championship game, they very well might have punched their ticket to the playoff. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard to say that they haven't like I don't know who they have left, but that is a good question. Uh, well, I will say I'm I'm looking at Clemson's schedule right now. They play Florida State this coming, uh, not this week. They have a bye week and then Florida State. Um, so hopefully they get some players back because I really want them to just beat down. But yeah, at Clemson, I, I think um, you know with how well they've been recruiting overall, they're not recruiting like Alabama and Georgia. So when they get these injuries, I think it's hurting them a little more than it would some of those other schools. Um, yeah. when you lose a couple five stars when you're like they pick and choose certain spots that they want to have these elite players at but it's not like they have superstars behind them they have like these I don't know how else to say it but I mean they have like a coach's son as the backup at a linebacker <laughs> like, so yeah. it's you know there there's some issues there where it, it seems like they will have trouble um, getting to the playoffs or at least going anywhere further with the, the team they have right now unless they get some guys back healthy yeah. Um, and on the other side, Notre Dame has at Boston College and at UNC in their next two games. So those are both potentially like stumbleable type of games. I yeah. don't suspect that they'll lose those, but I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, Here's hoping. I love some chaos when it's not. Yeah, I would not be at all disappointed to see Notre Dame lose. Uh, Oregon and Stanford. We were on different sides on this one. Uh, you got the win. Uh, you picked Oregon to cover 11. Um, I watched a little bit of this game. 
it came out a couple hours before kickoff that Stanford was going to be without Davis Mills, their starting quarterback, and that basically torpedoed any chance that they Oof. had in that game. Um, 35-14 Oregon was the winner there. Just from what I saw, Stanford, it seems like another situation where they might know, might not know what exactly they want to be, like what, what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And Oregon, I'm getting some like big Georgia of the West Coast vibes from them. I might be off on that, but I was not overly impressed with what I saw from them. They seem really content to play some some real conservative football. So I haven't seen their style at all, but I can I can agree that um well, I don't know if Georgia would be the way I'd describe it, but maybe Oklahoma or something. They uh Oregon's been the the team that's taking a lot of really highly ranked players that not many teams are recruiting. Like players that are ranked way higher than their offer list is really showing. And um I mean, they're still good players, but I, I do think that Oregon's a little more flash than they are actual ability. I think that they are settling into more and more of a attempt at playing like bully ball type of football. Um, I mean, their head coach is an offensive line guy, and they tend to be that way. Um, and I've just not really seen anything to dissuade me of that opinion. Um I mean, like, look at, we talked about it a little bit last week, but like, look at what Justin Herbert is doing in the NFL and like compare that to what he did at Oregon in like three years as a starter, however long he was there. God, I'm so like, it's, it's just, I was so on him sucking and it, I really thought he was awful and God, he's out there playing like a, like, can you imagine if he was starting at Clemson or Alabama and how he would have looked? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it has has you wondering a little bit, and and that may, it makes a lot more sense as to how Oregon succeeded so much after Taggart left because that guy's a program wrecker, and the fact that he didn't wreck that team was shocking to me. So maybe having a quarterback like that really helped um, yeah. kind of hold things together. Yeah, for sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and the last one that we picked was Liberty and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech favored by fourteen and a half. I watched a significant portion of this game, and <laughs> while I'm not a fan of Liberty, I am a fan of Schadenfreude, <laughs> and I experienced it quite a bit during that game. Um, Liberty pulled the upset, comes away with the win, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the coaching from Virginia Tech's defensive coordinator at the end of that game was laughable. I mean, it was fucking atrocious. Um, if you haven't watched the last, like, the last three plays of that game, do yourself a favor and go watch it because it was like just this roller coaster of emotions. Um, Virginia tech blocked a kick and returned it for a touchdown. And then it turned out that they had iced themselves by trying to ice the kicker and gotten the timeout in like right under the wire. So that kick didn't count. Uh, Virginia tech then on the ensuing play, there's like 10 seconds left and Liberty doesn't have any timeouts. Virginia tech goes into like this prevent defense from their own like 40 yard line. And so Liberty, they just throw this like little pass down the sideline to pick up 10 free yards um, and get out of bounds and stop the clock. And that 10 yards was all the difference. And they lined up and kicked the field goal. Um, That's insane. It was, it was hilarious. 
very yeah. entertaining. Yeah, I'll have to catch that. Yeah, looking at the uh, the win probability chart can sometimes give you an insight into how fun a game is. And then, yeah, Virginia Tech had the advantage for probably, I don't know, 75%, 80%. And then, boom, jumps way up to Liberty. And then, boom, jumps all the way back down to 50. Up to Liberty again, all the way back down to 50. And, like, it's just boom, boom, back and forth. Yeah. And it is, uh, that looks like fun. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to catch that. I did hear about the icing, icing the kicker. That's just, that seems like bad luck, but yeah, it's, um, that's rough. I mean, the, the fact that they're in that game is, is incredible in itself, by the way. Like, there's no reason that oh, Liberty yeah. should be keeping up with Virginia Tech. So that's a, uh, that's a knock on, uh, that team in Fuente. And also, uh, some kudos to Freeze and Liberty. That's impressive. For sure. All right. So we're going to pick some games for this weekend. I wonder if anybody actually listens to this part of this program. You know, maybe we should ask. How about uh, if, if you do listen to this part, why don't you leave a review and tell us? I, maybe they just listen to our wonderful Gator analysis. It could be. Um, if you want to continue hearing our picks, continue listening. If not, throw your listening device out of the window of the building or vehicle that you are currently in. Yeah, take a picture of that and then send that to, uh, you can DM our Twitter or something. Yep. Okay, so first game on the docket with the 11 a.m. Central Time game on ESPN2, we have Miami and Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech is currently favored in that game by two and a half. How the hell are they favored? It seems weird. It's a little bit, it's a little strange. Like, I mean, I'm Um, not impressed by Miami by any means, but they just lost to Liberty. And yeah, Miami has talent at least. I'm, they're they're number nine. I mean, it, to be fair, Miami was losing by like ten plus points at NC State on Friday night, with like five minutes left in the game. Um, and they somehow like pulled out a win. So I don't know. I it's I, I'm really not sure what to make of this. That's it's it's still weird to me. Like Miami's been pulling out wins as opposed yeah. to Virginia Tech, who's been pulling losses out of thin air. Yep, yeah, um, that seems like, I don't know, there's some kind of trick there, some kind of trap. It's weird. I mean, I have to go Miami. Okay, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to trust this as being one of those, like, Vegas knows something type of situations. Um, and so I'm going to go with Virginia Tech to cover two and a half. I like that. That'd be something else. I appreciate your uh, letting everybody know what channel it's on too. I imagine that's something that we, we may want to <laughs> catch, but also to let people know that they were relegated to ESPN two at 11 AM. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, the early sec game on ESPN is Georgia at Missouri, Georgia, currently 11 and a half point favorites. Could you see Georgia falling apart a little bit after this with nothing I left could. to play for? That was my thought. I'm trying to remember. I think it was a Cole Kubelik. He, he had a comment saying that he almost expected some of these COVID cases to rise because players just don't care as much anymore when they're knocked out. So then they're going to be more willing to party and like not as strict on themselves. Yeah. And I'm not saying that George is going to have that happen, but this season, especially I could see it kind of, well, what the fuck's the point anymore? So, yeah. So, um, I guess I'll go first here. I'm going to go with Missouri. Yeah, I, I think that Missouri can at least keep this close. I think they can keep it keep it to like 10. Um, I think Stetson Bennett is doubtful or questionable or something like that to play this weekend. Um, 
and I think he actually might give them the best chance, assuming JT Daniels is not capable of going again. Yeah, so I it's I think Missouri can score enough to keep this close, and I don't think Georgia can just like run away with it. Yeah, I don't, I, I feel like I should take Georgia. I just can't do it. I, I don't see them scoring much at all. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Give me Missouri. This, how wonderful would it be if this was like the absolute inverse of two years ago when we get our butts whipped pretty, pretty soundly by Georgia. And then like the next week we come out and just lay an egg against Missouri and drew lock drops, like whatever it was, 40 points on us. You know, it'd be nice. Usually Georgia plays Missouri before us. So it'd be nice for them to get Missouri. I mean, I'd really appreciate that. So yeah, um, I'd take that. And then, and then if that does happen, then that would have Georgia losing three of the last four games or three of their most recent four. Which also that would be wonderful. Would be wonderful, exactly. Okay, so this game. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll do the SEC one first. Um, the other early SEC game um, on SEC Network is Vandy at Kentucky, and Kentucky is seventeen point favorites in this one. Yeah, I'll take Kentucky. Yep, I agree. I really don't care who it is at this point. I'm taking, well, no, Mississippi State was the one game I was willing to take Mandy to cover every other game. Okay, so there is another noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time game. Um, Penn State and Nebraska. Oh, God, I missed that. At like Nebraska. A, I don't even see that on here. That is These two teams are a combined 0 and 5. <laughs> Man, like, should the head coach get fired after the game over loses? Yeah, like, that won't, that won't right? happen. But this, like, if it was a normal season, you gotta wonder if this was like the Gus Malzahn versus Les Miles game. I mean, these the, the the two head coaches are being paid what probably a combined eleven million a year. I think Franklin's got to be over five million a year. I think Frost yeah. is around that. And I mean, like, they're gonna regardless of how it goes, they're gonna come out of this a combined one and six. Um, Jesus. Uh, I don't know what to, I guess, I guess I'll take Penn state here to cover three and a half. So wait, yep. Yeah, it's a uh, Nebraska's three and a half point favorite. No Penn state. It is. Ugh. Um, give me Nebraska. I think Penn state's given up. Wow. Yeah. Could be, could be. I mean, they lost a lot of guys before the season. A lot of guys opted out. Uh, let's see. Some weird happened at Penn state over the summer. They had some stories that kind of came out, but then kind of went down and, I don't know what's going on, but they had more opt-outs than normal. Something weird yeah. going on there. Yeah. And let's see. You were on Nebraska? Yep. Mid-afternoon game on ESPN is Texas A&M at Tennessee. Um, ESPN doesn't have a line on this one. Is that COVID-related, do you think? Perhaps. A couple of these games got rescheduled already. I know uh, Texas A&M, they've been having an outbreak of some sort, um, which is, as far as I know, the first time they've reported having an outbreak. Um, <laughs> Over there in COVID station. Yeah. Well, looking at oddshark.com, it opened up at Texas A&M 13-point favorite. Okay. Um, yeah, let's pick it at that then. I think I went first last time. You want to go first on this one? Mm, I guess so. Might as well. Somebody has to. <sighs> you know, I've been taking Tennessee a lot, and they've been not covering. 
So I'm going to continue that trend. Let me take Tennessee to cover this one. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, I'll go on the other side of that. Um, I'm going to go Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is the second or third best team in the SEC. Um, and I think even with guys out, they are going to be significantly better than Tennessee. And I don't know how Tennessee is going to score more than like 14 points here. Yep. And full disclosure, I, um, I did this last week with the Tennessee Arkansas game where I felt like Arkansas was going to cover and I took Tennessee and, um, I feel even more confident in this game, but yeah, let's go Tennessee. They got this. I'm sure. Bama and LSU. This is the CBS game. It's on at 5 PM central time. Uh, and Alabama is currently favored by 28. And Ooh. that is not enough, in my opinion. I think that they win this by 30-plus points. Give me Bama. Yeah, this this game's a high risk to be rescheduled, too. Um, yes, it is. 28 points is not close to enough. Yeah, give me Bama by a lot. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do because LSU's already rescheduled for us for well, that think, open weekend. I think, well, okay, here. here's a That's, that's a real question, right? Like, it would make sense that the SEC would want to prioritize the interdivision games. Mm-hmm. So I would think that our game gets bumped if Bama and LSU have to get rescheduled and if they can't do some weird swap thing. Yeah. I would think that we either lose the LSU game and replace it with like Arkansas or something, or if we can't play this weekend or something else, or, um, or we just don't get a game that weekend. Yeah, that, that could be. Um, I really think they're like enough games have been bumped to that free weekend. I really think they need to be considering just bumping the SEC championship by a week. Um, I mean, like I know that they don't want to like bump the playoffs into NFL playoff territory and have, have crossover with that TV, those TV weekends. But um, I don't know, man, like we're, we're running out of room here to get these games in. Yeah, there's gotta be some give somehow. They're going to try their hardest to get this game played now because it doesn't matter. But I think that they, I do think they're going to really want to get all the West teams playing all the West teams in case it does come down to some kind of tiebreaker, which it doesn't look can but that's beside the point all right so we already picked arkansas and florida um i think my my predicted score actually would have been within arkansas covering 17 and a half um i assume i have you were you were over 17 and a half correct yeah i think so yeah okay maybe little side note there like do we like the idea of of having that LSU game right before the championship game. I feel like we played well coming off no bye week versus Georgia. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan personally, but like, you know, there is an argument that things might look a little bit different at that point. Um, given we'll have played like whatever it is, six or seven straight weeks to that point, the bye week might be a bit more welcome at, at that point. Okay. South Carolina and Ole Miss is the last one that is supposed to go this weekend. Uh, Ole Miss is favored by 11, and that's at Ole Miss. Well, fool me once, shame on you. Uh, I can't take Muschamp anymore. I can't do it. Give me Ole Miss. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think so. I I agree. Um, The only thing... 
The only thing that gives me even a little bit of uh, concern there is if South Carolina's corners are healthy and ready to go, you know, like maybe, maybe bad Matt Corral shows up. Yeah. But um, that's the only way I see that staying within 11. Yeah. Most champs just a guy I don't like picking games for anymore. Really don't like it. Yeah. Actually never liked it to, to be honest. And uh, let's see, there is one game that has officially been postponed at this point, and that was Auburn at Mississippi State. Auburn was going to kick the shit out of them because Mississippi State is very, very bad at football currently. Yeah, I would have taken Auburn. What what other games around the country do you want to pick? Well, uh, I'm going to keep up my streak of picking the Indiana game. Okay. Indiana at Michigan State. I have no idea what the spread is, though. I'm counting on you for this one. Okay. Uh, yes, I saw this one earlier. It was Indiana. Okay, I see it now. By seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's at Michigan State. Man, Big Ten's been just all over the place, but I'll take Indiana. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know how Michigan Michigan State, excuse me, pulled that out of their ass um, against Michigan like they did because I watched some more of their game this past week and they look real bad. Like we thought they were going to be, I mean, they got fucking annihilated by Iowa. Yeah, that's rough. Um, I think they're real bad. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take Indiana here. Brought it for that rivalry. There's some ugly games this week. Like a lot of top teams are playing, but there's nothing exciting. Like even Alabama LSU, that's supposed to be a big game and God, LSU blows. Yeah. Wisconsin at Michigan, another one that should have been a big game, but yeah, um, I'm I'm wondering what the situation is there for Wisconsin with their their COVID deal. Oh, I heard they they were down to five active cases, so I were think they? they'd be good to go. Yeah, that line is real real small though. I think they're just banking on that whole taking two or three weeks off. Yeah, I, I like Wisconsin to cover three and a half there. Um, even on the road, even coming off of several weeks of rest, even possibly without their starting quarterback again. Um, yeah, give me Wisconsin. I'm in the same boat. I'm not taking Michigan, so Wisconsin. All right, we have uh, the ACC Network primetime game. Florida State, 2-5 and five Florida State, at 4-3 and three NC State, with NC State a seven-point favorite. Yeah, uh, give me NC State. The team that just uh, gave Miami a run for their money, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Carter-Finley Stadium at night is a scary place to play. Oh, uh, yeah, there's bad memories there for Noel fans. Yeah, yeah. weird shit happens there. Um, yep, NC State, they're going to cover that seven. I can feel it in my bones. You see, I should... Uh, yeah, you, you talked me into it. I was going to go for the whole hedge bet thing, but. And honestly, that's the that's the right move. That's the correct move to do that because of how like definitive I just was in my statement. Like yeah. this is this is ripe for <laughs> me looking like a complete it's fucking buffoon. Like winning by 20, 30 points. Yeah. God. Okay. You just talked me into the hedge bet now. You talked me in one way and I did the other way. So I'll take Florida State. Cover All seven. right. Okay, so Utah and UCLA 
I want to I want to pick this one. Uh, this is at UCLA. Utah is a three point favorite, and they did not play their game last week. It was canceled due to COVID. Um, and they actually, from what I saw today, they actually have a player in the hospital. I did um, see that. That's scary. Yeah. Um, but I still think they are at least three points better than Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins. I think they're the Bruins. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going Utah there. Some kind of bear. Um, you, uh, UCLA is on a four-game losing streak. Um, the last time they played Utah was November of last year, and they lost 49-3. to Wow. 49 to three. So that's not good. Point spread is just shocking to me. And I'm sure that they'll play closer and tougher. You don't want to, I mean, that nothing will get you angrier than coming back after that, but I can't imagine them being that different. Yeah. I I have to go Utah here. There are any others that you want to discuss for this week? No, I think that covered it. We got a, got our rival shitting in. Yep. Um, Okay. Uh, do you want to do culture corner? Yeah, I'm I'm ill prepared for that this time. But okay, um, I don't really have a whole lot here. I'm still watching uh, the Queen's Gambit. I'm like halfway through that now. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to watch a whole bunch of television other than football this past week. Um, I did yesterday have to mow my lawn for what I'm hoping is the last time this year, but it was real, real fucking weird mowing on November 8th in shorts and a t-shirt and sweating through my clothing. It's not supposed to be like that. You know, that's weird for Tennessee. It is. And um, I'm trying to remember how it was in Florida because I I think it slowed down at some point, but it's not like the mowing season just ended completely. But here it does that too, uh, similar to Tennessee where it gets to a point and you just don't have to mow again for months. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I've been, I've been holding off. I have one more, one more in me. Yep. It's yeah. The weather, weather's yeah, it it should be a little cooler. We don't get, we just don't have fall anymore. It's just non-existent. I've also locked myself into being a primarily liquor based drinker, at least for the next few months. Uh, That was a change I made this past weekend. I love beer. And I love like IPAs and and heavy porters and stuff like that. I love craft beers. It just really does not agree with me. And I feel so much less shitty when I drink liquor. So um, I have been trying to dip my toes into the like brown liquor, like bourbons and whiskeys, which I've typically been more of a like gin vodka type of person. Um but you know, I'm I'm trying to, to be a big boy. I'm trying to be an adult, I'm trying to be guess, a classy gentleman. That's a huge improvement right there. You're right in that country too. Like yeah, I mean, right. it's made for that. Yeah. Yeah, because I've I have a hard time finding certain things. I feel like you'd have that just surrounding you no matter where you go. I probably should like look into what I can get locally that is is rare abroad. So yeah, that's uh that's culture corner for me. Well, my update's going to be pretty lame. I uh, I had a uh, a surgery last week that took me out of the count for a couple days. Nothing bad or anything like that. Just a dental thing, um, and I'm fine now. But 
damn, that threw me off completely. Like I basically had to take two days off of work and then had to push everything back. So um, I'm trying to think if there's anything special because I, I caught up on some shows like The Mandalorian. I watched a bunch of football. Uh, I don't think I have anything really new. Um, I went I went to uh, – actually, you, you mentioned liquor. I went and bought a bunch of old-fashioned stuff. Um, nice. To make those uh, just different different types of bitters and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's I guess that's my new thing. I'm I'm in the same boat where beer just yeah it fills me up. I I do feel crappy afterwards, and I don't know if it's because of the the quantity I drink to to enjoy myself or or what. But yeah, I do feel, <laughs> I do feel crappy. So my I, my thing is like I go straight to like mild hangover headache type of symptoms. Like, you know, a half hour after drinking a single beer, I'll be there. And That's it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's real frustrating because I love beer, but it's just, yeah, doesn't agree with me in my old age. Yeah, you know, just getting older. That's all. And But I'm, I'm glad that you're, um, you're, you're branching out into the brown liquors. That's far better than that, that uh, vodka gin crap. Yeah. No offense to you, vodka gin drinkers. I guess other than that, yeah, I'm trying to think why I didn't watch anything, and I remember now it's because of political shit that I'm not going to get into. But oh um, right, yeah, I won't, I won't get into that. Sure but I probably, I probably spent a little too much time uh, paying attention to that more than I could have. Uh, shouts out to Alex Trebek, the goat. Rest in peace, Alex. We're going to dedicate this show to you and Hammer. <laughs> Rest in peace, both of you, the two goats. <laughs> both passed away of old age um, I keep hoping they do like a, like an SNL thing with uh, Sean Connery and Trebek yeah, right. like, perfect timing for that I mean not, not perfect timing but you know right, but, yeah, no. no yeah I know what you're saying okay um, I guess that's it for us this week is there anything else that we need to discuss I think that's it I'm I'm just all celebrated out I had a great time but I'm exhausted from just how much of a great time I had and you've uh, got your money's worth for sure yeah yeah it was nice all right well uh, we'll wrap it up and so on the behalf of Hammersuit and Dr. Marty Lawrence we will say go Gators and review it go Gators review it all I know is pain all I feel is rain with that shit on my brain I resort to violence My niggas moving silence Like you don't know what I stylish New York niggas the wildest My niggas is with it You want it? Come and get it Took it then we split it You fucking right we did it What the fuck you gonna do When we run up on you Fucking with the wrong crew Don't know what we going through I'ma have to show niggas How easily we blow niggas Let me find out It's some more niggas That's running with your niggas Nothing we can't handle Break it up and dismantle Light it up like a candle Just cause I can't stand you Put my shit on tapes like you bustin' grapes Think you holdin' late Then you haven't met the apes Stop Drop Shut them down Open up shop Oh Go That's how rough riders roll Stop Drop Shut them down Open up shop Oh No That's how rough riders roll It's y'all niggas crazy I bust you and be swayzy Stop actin' like a baby Mind your business, lady. Nosy people.
get it too When you see me spit at you, you know I'm trying to get rid of you Yeah, I know it's pitiful, that's how niggas get down Watch my niggas spit round, make y'all niggas kiss ground Just for talking shit clowns, oh you think it's funny? Then you don't know me money, it's about to get ugly Fuck a dog, I'm hungry, I guess you know what that means Come up off that green, five niggas on ravine Don't make it a murder scene, give a dog a bone Leave a dog alone, let a dog roam and he'll find his way home